destined for deliverance. All right. Um, so our objectives here, we're really dealing with the objective number three, talking about discipleship and dominion, um, about how um, we're really uh, ministering. And I started in the days before, in the days um, right around uh, Mother's Day, dealing with making um, regional impact in deliverance, that God wants you to not only get yourself delivered, um, not only help other people through your life be delivered, but he wants to use you to make an impact in your region. Amen. Now, um, this one, you know, there are certain messages that you come out and it's like, okay, I need to do this and this and this. And this is not one of those today, okay? What today I need you to do is as we've basked in the power of the name of Jesus. What I'm challenging you to do is to believe with me that God can do something exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. What I need you to do is to stretch yourself and ask God and tell him, Lord, I'm available for you to touch a community through my life, yes. that my neighborhood can be different, that my community can be different, that my school, that the atmosphere um, of my job can be different, that my business can be different because I'm there. That I have something inside of me that can change an atmosphere. That's very important. You know, because sometimes you can look at how big the issues are and you can see how small you are. And then it just seems it can seem almost hopeless. But we got a name. That's above every name. So it can't be hopeless. It can't be. Can't be. Not if the name is everything that we say it is. And it is. And so I just want you to stretch and believe with me. Um, Minister John did an amazing job last week. I really stretched him. Okay. Some, some messages, you know, I give him and, um, I kind of give him some softballs, some late, you know, wiffle balls, you know, what the wiffle ball is, it's the ball with all the holes in it. So it's not real hard. Last week I threw a fastball at him and he was like, what in the, what are you doing to me? Pastor? And, um, and I made him stretch and I didn't give him no help. I made him stretch. And so he really stretched and he pulled out some stuff, too, didn't he? It was an amazing, amazing word. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I'll give him. And I can see where there's some foot fingerprints of where things I have taught him that he came back. But then he did some stuff that I was like, no, I hadn't showed you that one. I was like, that came from heaven right there. I mean, you 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 dug in there and the Lord spoke to you. And. Um, and so I was really blessed by that. And so um, I'm going to start off with review with his points because they were so good. I think I should just go on and tell it to you again. So he he called it. See, the pastor would have said it different, but um, he's not, you know, he's not pastor. So I'm going to say it like he said it. He called it Operation Kill the Gi Giants, Free the Hostages, King David style. I would have said five keys from the life of David. But I'm going to say it the way he said it. Amen. All right. So he gave us these five keys. These are review points um, 
in terms of making an impact on your region, freeing hostages. I love the sound of that, though, that it's an operation. All right, so point number one he gave us was identify your position and assignment. To identify your position and assignment, know who you are, know what you're called to do, know what you're called to be. You know, I've, I've been challenged recently um, just because I've been talking to people um, and really seeking God about how to make the kind of impact that I want to make in the region. I mean, I just have a big dream. You know, I, you know, these things that are on these banners are not, um, they're not just nice words to me. They represent my dream for my city. All right. Um, and, uh, they're, they're bigger than I know how to get done but it's what God showed me. So I'm just going to believe him anyway, because I got the name above every name. Um, but then I have to come back to that and say, okay, if you're going to do all of that, what is the position you put me in? What's the grace that you put on my life? You know, other people have different kinds of graces and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's churches that can, can out, outreach me in the sense that they have a great machinery to do all kinds of things, can do all kinds of dance ministries and all these other things, can have all kinds of great community events and other churches do all of these other kinds of things. And, and, and I'm, you know, as long as they teaching, you know, preaching Jesus, I'm, I'm all for all of them. But I can't be all of them. I got to be what he's given me to be. And so I know that the light that he's caused us to bring up is a light of very strong, solid teaching. All right. And um, uh, you guys are highly fed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Every week. You know, people take what you get in one week and then they'll preach it for six. I'm just saying. But I, that's my position. I got to do what he's given me to do. I'm not even comparing myself. I just got to do it the way God gave it to me. And, and you do too, right? When David, David had to say, Saul, I can't go with your armor. I can't fight with your weapons. I got to go with what God gave me. You got to know your position and assignment. But know with the, you can win with the tools you have to use. So you got to use what he gave you. Right. When when he came out, David had his staff and his five stones. And Goliath said, am I a dog that you come out to me with a stick? He didn't understand that David, David understood how to use them weapons. All right. Knowing your position and assignment, knowing how to play the thing that God has given you and to win with that. Number two, identify and call out the giants in your region. All right. You got to have some spiritual sense of what's the prevailing, predominant spiritual force that is affecting your region. I mean. Um. The UAW was was pretty much birthed here with the sit down strikes. And we've been sitting down ever since. I ain't mad at nobody. Pastor ain't mad. 
I didn't even tell you manage. I know, Pastor, you just saying that stuff because you're management. No, no, hold it, hold it, hold it. Stop. Stop. I know management is not always right. I've been in the meetings that I've been telling some of them, some of them, you wrong. I'm the one that'll tell them they wrong. And they know they'll be saying stuff and, they, and they'll say it before they roll it out. David, we know you're going to have a problem with this. Then why you then everybody else, when we get leave the meeting, say you was right. I'm like, you big, sorry, something, something. Don't stand up now around the water cooler. Make me stand up in the meeting. But we have to recognize, look at all of the political infighting that we have downtown. It's crazy. It's a, it's a global embarrassment to see the city council can't come on y'all. I mean, for real, for real. It is, but there clearly is a spirit of division. That makes it difficult for people to work together in the region in which we live. We can't we, we can't deny. That people just can't seem to work together. You got to identify what is the thing that's predominantly holding us back. Scripture says. A curse causeless shall not come. If there is a curse, there is a cause. Now, if you were to look spiritually, unless you are a spiritual arson investigator, you may see the flame and the destruction and not know where the fire started. But just because you don't know where the fire started doesn't mean it didn't start somewhere. We can't deny that there has to at least be some spiritual root to the water issue that we faced in our city. Now, there's some natural stuff. Some people did some stuff. I know I get all of that. But, but you have to follow it all the way back. You got to follow it all the way back. There's that there's right here in the middle of the good old USA. We got third world water system. I drank water in India. I drank water in the Bahamas. You hear me? I've been in and I drank the water and went on. And I did it in Jesus name just so we clear. <laughs> I went with another manager and he was sweating, had a fever the rest of the trip. I don't know if he prayed over his food, but pastor was praying. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And, um, but pastor was really, really for real, for real, for real praying. And, um, but I, I, I drunk it over there and I was fine. And I come back to the city where I'm born in the good old US of A. And I got to be careful about drinking the water here. Some, there's, there's some spiritual roots. All right. Number three, regional deliverance requires a different anointing than personal deliverance. 
it starts with personal deliverance. If you can't get personally delivered, you're probably not going to affect your region. If you can't deal with the low-level devil, if you can't deal with the low-level devil that tries to get you beat before you get out the home or get out of bed in the morning, you're probably not going to make a big impact in your region. All right? Um, you start there, but you don't end there. Once you, once you get free in your life, part of the reason why you, you leverage your testimony, you leverage your testimony by getting free, um, helping somebody else get free and solidifying the principles that got you free. Hey, this is what I was going through. And this is how the Lord freed me. Your testimony then inspires somebody else. Of, well, God can do it for him. He can do it for me. Yeah. So we heard a testimony by God, you know, somebody had a, a sickness issue, had some tumors. The Lord, you know, prayed, sought the Lord, removed them. Well, praise God, he did it for her. He can do it for me. And that's why you got to keep your testimony for us, because your testimony helps you to stay delivered. Now, other people may get tired of your testimony, but don't you get tired of it. Don't you get tired of it because that's what's keeping you free. You overcome by the word of your testimony. Don't you get tired of how God delivered you? Because some people get, you know, you can get so far away from your what happened and how he delivered you that you almost look like you never needed deliverance. But when you if you if, if you allow that to be so, then the principles that got delivered. You will, you will let those principles go and then you will lose your deliverance and your last state will be worse than your first. So you so so you're keeping your testimony fresh, keeps you delivered. And then the increase on that helps somebody else to get delivered. And if you continue to, to flow in that from the place you needed deliverance, you can get a strength where you can become the deliverer. And then that can grow to where you can impact more and more people. So don't don't let go because God doesn't want your anointing to just be enough to keep you OK. He wants the anointing on your life to increase to the point that he can get some other folks free and keep them free. All right. Then number four, regional deliverance schedules, regional pushback. Regional deliverance. This this one was fire here, boy. This was, this was fire, fire. Um, and when I thought about this one, you know, in first Samuel 17, 28, just going to take that one down. talks about how David, when he came up to fight Goliath, his big brother, boy, what you doing? Sometimes, you know, you get that kind of thing. Boy, what you doing? And, um, His statement, his statement really ministers to me because he said, with whom have you left, watch this, your few sheep in the wilderness? Few sheep in the wilderness. 
You can't do nothing significant in your region. You got a small, struggling church. How dare you have the audacity to think God can make significant impact through you? How many members you got? Well, Eliab, if the members was doing it, then you would have already slew Goliath, but he's still sitting up there, ain't he? But sometimes when you really begin to, to just believe God to make impact in your region, people look at you and say, who do you think you are? I'm just somebody that believes. David said it this way. You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name. We just sung about the name. He understood the power of the name was bigger than the number of names on his side. All right. Regional deliverance schedules, regional pushback. And then number five. Regional deliverance is more progressive than instantaneous. Now, that one, I, was, I read that. I read John's notes on the Saturday before he preached it. I was like, Lord, that jumped off at the page at me. And then I, I looked at that scripture. I was like, man, that's a really good scripture. I will not drive them out in one year. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. That was Exodus 23, 29, and 30. Man, that is fire. God's going to give us deliverance, but it's going to take a little while, and we're going to have to be okay with that. All right? That means that we're going to have to increase. God, we don't want God to give us more than we can manage. All right. One of the reasons why we have the foundations class and don't get tired of foundations class. I don't know that I see as many people in class. Number two is what I was expecting. I'm just going to let the Holy Ghost convict right there. It's because I want to have a church that's growing and have more people that are able to disciple others so that we have a common language and a common set of tools that we can use to assist other people in the faith. So you can't get tired of being taught because we're trying to increase progressively to, to possess and inherit the land. All right, um, let's look at uh, Matthew 4, 13 through 17, and then we're going to skip down to verse 23 to 25. Probably that in, in the first John is where I'll get to media team. I don't think I'm going to get to Nehemiah. We'll pick up on Nehemiah next week, all right? And it says, and leaving Nazareth, this is, this is Jesus affecting his region with deliverance. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, 
which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you go on to verse 18 to verse 22, you'll see him calling his disciples with him. Come follow me, you'll be fishers of men, et cetera, et cetera. So he began to preach. He was a light. He began to gather others with him, right? That's the discipleship aspect. And then that team together began to affect the region around them. Look at verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. All right? And so here we see Jesus. This is after, um, if we mark it out, this is after he had already been through the wilderness himself, got his personal deliverance down, right? Came out, Lord said, you know, you know, first he was baptized by John. Um, this is my beloved son. The spirit led him into the wilderness, tempted, came out, victory and power in the power of his, his power to spirit, began to preach, call disciples and began to affect his region. Um, when we talked about this on Tuesday, we've talked about the fact that um, the minister is supposed to be a star, meaning an independent life source, but then the church or the ministry is supposed to be a lampstand. All right. So we see both of those things in Jesus. He, he was a light, but he was also raising up his disciples to be lights with him. Um, we also see from this passage of scripture that there are, watch this, there are levels of light. There are levels of light. The people who sat in darkness saw a great light. There are levels of light. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that's why it's really not a great song to say this little light of mine. I can't, I'm just, I'm sorry, I can't imagine Jesus singing this little light of mine. Because the Bible didn't say he had a little light. Worse says he has great light. Okay. But he's telling you that you got to walk in the light as he is in the light. So if he got great light, you're supposed to have great light too, not little light. Everybody got it? All right. So that means that the empowerment that's on the inside of you needs to get great. Do not be satisfied with a little bit of pin light. You know what a pin light is? You know, I got one of these. You know, it's a little 
See that little pin light? It's a little pin light. I mean, you know, ain't nothing wrong with it. It's a little light, you know, ain't nothing wrong with it. It's just for the sake of the test, for those sisters. A little pin, nothing wrong with it, but you're supposed to have a great light. You know, in a, in a you know, if I'm, I'm in a little place, a little pin light can do a little something when I'm, you know, stumbling through the house and, you know, the garage, I set the garage and I didn't get there before, you know, the light went out. Sometimes a little pin light, just enough to get my keys. That's just, all I needed was something to put the key you know what I'm saying? But when I'm really trying to change something, I need more light than a little pin light. Notice as um, identifying the spiritual opposition in the region. What did it say about the spiritual opposition in that region? It, it, it identified the spiritual conditions that were beyond a, a, a personal level, but was affecting the region. The first thing it says is that the people are seated in darkness. The people were seated. They was comfortable. In darkness. Sometimes, sometimes I'm in, I'm in bed and then uh, I'm like, uh, honey, are you going to, going to the kitchen? Why don't you get some water and bring it back? Because I don't, I want the water, but I don't. I oh, see it, I see it, see it. Sister Castle, I want the water, but I don't want to get up. So I just say, uh, can, can you, because uh, I'm seated in darkness and I don't want to turn on the light. I don't want to, I don't want to move my comfort zone to make the change. I want, I want something, but I'm, I don't want it bad enough to make the seed. Now, see, now, I am preaching really good in here. The people were seated in darkness. The source of the darkness was that there was something preventing the light of the sun, both S-O-N and S-U-N, from getting to the people. Death had eclipsed the sun because the scripture goes on to tell us that the people sat in a region where death cast his shadow over the whole region. The people that sat in the shadow and region of death, light has sprung up. All right? So they, death cast a shadow that produced darkness and people got comfortable sitting in that darkness. Okay? Because sometimes when you come with light, ever, you know, you've been, <laughs> see, some of y'all was clubbers. I wasn't, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not poking fun. I just wasn't. When I was in college and I tried to go, they told me, boy, go home. You don't even belong here. My friends kicked me out of the club. Go home. You a church boy. You don't even you don't even look right, Ben. <laughs> okay. But if you were in one of those establishments and then at the end they all the lights go up. Somebody know what I'm talking about? 
Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. You're going to have to say, man, I'm mad at you. Okay. And then all of a sudden, having been accustomed to being in the dark, your, your eyes have to adjust to the light. Your eyes have to adjust. All right? If you get that last call, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, you got to adjust. You got to adjust. And so we have to decide as a people that we want God to use us. to push back the darkness in our region. We have to decide that there's something worth stretching out for in our relationship with God so that we don't live at a little light level. That we want God to do something with us so significant that we will stretch out spend time on our face seeking him for real strength and power so that we can make a real impact in our region. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about a man who did that. His name is Nehemiah. If you want to get ahead of the class, you can go to Nehemiah's chapter one and two, and we'll talk about that next week. But we're going to see a person who left his personal comfort zone There was a lot of people in trouble, but Nehemiah was chilling where he was. He could have stayed where he was and lived a very comfortable life. But something moved him to the point where he would step out of his comfort zone and allow God to work something great in his life to change the region of his birth the city of his forefathers. I read the story of Nehemiah and personally I'm challenged by it. I keep asking the Lord, Lord, don't let me live and die. And there not be any real substantial change because of my life. As a pastor, I get up And I wonder, Lord, am I, am I really touching people's lives? And that's why that party was such significant to me. Because sometimes you don't know. You really don't. You know, you're swinging, you're shooting your shot, but you're shooting it by faith. And so I just want to challenge you and encourage you to just dream with God. God, what could you do with me to affect my region? How could it start? We said it once before, you know, opening your house, opening your car. Going by, I mean, I'll come get you. Or how about this one? Don't just tell them about bringing the destiny generation. Tell them, come on, come by my house. And then you take what you've heard and learned. 
in your own words, you talk to them. Yes. Then you ask me a question, Pastor, I don't understand what that meant. Why? Because if, if, you, if you had to explain it to somebody, you got to learn a little different. hundred percent of what you teach to others, you will remember. If you take the time to put this in your own language and share with somebody, you won't forget the lesson. Right. I'm certain my Sunday school teachers will tell you that the stuff, because they've been teaching it, it's in them at a different level. That's why discipling others is such a part of you staying discipled yourself. Come on, let's stand.